first rule of success is to have a vision. You see, if you don't have a vision of where you go, and if you don't have a goal where you go, you drift around and you never end up anywhere. It's like you can have the best ship in the world, you can have the best airplane in the world. If the pilot or the captain doesn't know where to go, it will just drift around. It will not end up anywhere or most likely in the wrong place. So I was very fortunate that I stumbled onto my vision. I mean, as you know, I was born in 1947 in Austria after the Second World War. And I didn't really like Austria when I grew up. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I couldn't see myself becoming a farmer or a worker in a factory or anything like that. Even though my parents wanted me to stay there and have a normal life. My father wanted me to become a police officer like he was. My mother wanted me just to stay there and marry a girl with the name of Heidi, hopefully, and have a bunch of kids and run around like the Van Trapp family in the sound of music. But that was their vision, not mine. My vision was totally different. I felt that I was born for something special, for something unique, for something big. So I was searching. And then one day I went to school. I remember I was 11 years old. And they showed a documentary about America. And there they showed in this documentary the huge skyscrapers the high-rises, the huge bridges, the six-lane freeways, the huge cars with the wings sticking out, and all of this stuff, and I said to myself, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be around here with these little farmhouses and these little buildings, and everything is old. I want to be in America. But now the question was just, how do you get to America? In those days, it was a very expensive trip. It's not like today. So again, very fortunate, I was very fortunate that one day after school, I walked by a store in Graz, which was called Brühl. And it was the only store that really sold kind of American stuff. So one day, they had jeans there, American jeans. And then they had the Bullwalker. And then they had an expander, and some barbells and some dumbbells and an exercise bench in the window. So I went inside and I looked around and I looked at this stuff and then I saw a magazine. I saw a bodybuilding magazine that had Reg Park on the cover. Reg Park was then a three-time Mr. Universe. And I saw him on the big screen as Hercules. And on the cover it said, how Reg Park, Mr. Universe, became the Hercules star. That's what the cover story was all about. So I looked at the cover and I said to myself, I got to get this magazine. So I bought the magazine, I took it home and I read it over and over from the front page to the back. It had everything in there, how he trained, how he was working out in Leeds, England, in a factory town, how he worked out every day for three, four hours and became the strongest man of Europe, and how he won Mr. Europe, Mr. Great Britain, and then eventually Mr. Universe and how he won the second Mr. Universe and the third Mr. Universe and how he was discovered to play the starring role in Hercules. I read that and I said to myself, wow, 
This is the blueprint for my life. This is exactly what I want to do. I want to become a bodybuilding champion just like Reg Park. I want to get into movies just like Reg Park. And I want to make millions of dollars and be rich and famous just like Reg Park. Do you know how great it felt that I knew where I was going? Imagine the majority of people don't know where they're going. I knew where I was going, that I'm going to become this bodybuilding champion just like him. So it was just a question of how do you do it? I was so relieved because when you have a goal, when you have a vision, everything becomes easy. Because remember that in America, for instance, when you study, you will see the percentage of people that like their jobs. 74% hate their job in America. Now, there's not much different when you come to Europe. The majority of people don't like what they're doing because they're really not doing it because they didn't have a goal and they followed this goal. They just aimlessly drift around and then all of a sudden there's a job opening so they get that job because you have to work. But then when you work, it's a chore. It's work. It's not fun. So if you think about only a quarter of the people really enjoy what they're doing in life, that is unbelievable if you think about it. So I felt so blessed that I knew what I was doing. It's like a medical student that studies and knows he wants to become a doctor. You know where to go. So I knew where to go. So people always ask me, when they saw me in the gym in the pumping iron days, they said, why is it that you're working out so hard, five hours a day, six hours a day, and you have always a smile on your face? The others are working out just as hard as you do, and they look sour in the face. Why is that? And they told people all the time, I said, because to me, I'm shooting for a goal. In front of me is the Mr. Universe title. So every rep that I do gets me closer to accomplishing that goal, to make this goal, this vision turn into reality. Every single set that I do, every repetition, every weight that I lift will get me a step closer to turn this goal into reality. So I couldn't wait to do another 500-pound squat. I couldn't wait to do another 500-pound bench press. I couldn't wait to do another 2,000 reps of sit-ups. I couldn't wait for the next exercise, for the next half hour of posing and all the kind of things that you have to do to be a champion. I felt so great knowing where I was going. And I tell you, it worked. I mean, think about it. And the end, I was just not visualizing just my exercise, but I was really lifting the trophy over my head. That's what I was thinking about. And with the age of 20, with the age of 20, I went to London and I won the Mr. Universe contest as the youngest Mr. Universe ever. And it was because I had a goal. No different than anything else, what I'm talking about. This is not just about bodybuilding. It was the same in acting. I remember when I was doing Conan the Barbarian, I was crawling on the rocks with a sword in my arm, crawling on all four. 
And of course, being that it's Conan, I didn't have clothes on or anything like that, right? So I was kind of, my knees were bare, my elbows were bare and everything like this. And I'm crawling on the rocks. So after 10 takes, my elbows were bleeding and my knees were bleeding. And the director came to me and he said, Arnold, I'm so sorry that you have to go through this, but we need one more take, a close-up of you crawling with the sword towards the camera. Can you handle one more take? And I said to him, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, I'm totally fine. He says, but you're bleeding. I said, because I don't feel it, because I can visualize what the scene will look like in a film. And I'm so excited about this scene. I was visualizing crawling up behind Falsa Doom, which was played by James Earl Jones. Crawling up behind Falsa Doom with the sword slowly, and then rising up behind him, and whack, cutting his head off. And the head spins in the air, slowly with blood all over the place, and slowly falls down the steps and draws down the steps. And his body slowly falls sideways. That was what I was visualizing, and that was very important because he, in the movie, killed my parents, killed Conan's parents. And that was revenge. And he always said that flesh is stronger than steel. And I wanted to prove to him that no, steel is stronger than flesh. And so I had this in my mind. And so this is why it didn't matter if I had to do another 50 takes or 100 takes, no matter how much I bleed on my elbows or my knees, I saw that vision of the perfect scene and it was an important scene and I would do it over and over again until we got it. And the same thing is also in politics. I remember that in politics, I had a very clear vision that I will be the leader of California. This is as far as I could go because I was not born in America, so I could not run for president. So being the governor of the fifth largest state, of, I should say the largest state, the fifth largest economy in the world, was for me really the ultimate title, the ultimate accomplishment in politics. So even though people came up to me and says, why don't you go and run for something smaller? You're never gonna make it. I ran for governor and then two months later, I became governor of the state of California. Again, because I had a very clear vision what I'm gonna do with California. So let me tell you something, visualizing your goal and going after it makes it fun. You've got to have a purpose no matter what you do in life. You've got to have a purpose.